Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works, the podcast for HR professionals. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to join us. I'm the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge into the hands and ears of you, the HR professional. Those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, and retaining top talent. Today, we're going to talk about gender pay equality, specifically with regards to the U.S. women's soccer team's situation. Uh, They just won their fourth World Cup victory uh, just about a week ago. And um, there is a pay equality issue in the works and some lawsuits. It's a little bit complicated, but here to discuss pay equality in general and the situation with the U.S. World's uh, U.S. women's soccer team, we have two guests. I'm pleased to introduce Tom Cunningham, VP of People at Paravita. Am I saying that correctly? You are. That's close enough. <laughs> Excellent. An organization that prides itself on its transparency. He oversees internal le- learning activities, recruiting, HR functions, and office operations, ensuring that their people are supported in their continuous development throughout their journey. Uh, prior to moving into this role at 2017, Tom served as the office managing VP for the New York market. He was responsible for building, growing, and managing the local market consulting practice. And Tom holds a BA from Yale and an advanced degree in music performance from Westminster Choir College. We're also pleased to introduce our second guest, Charles Bendodi, Senior Vice President, People and Culture of Philip Morris International. He was the architect behind the global equal salary certification. He has been with Philip Morris since 1999 when he started as a business analyst. He was named VP of Human Resources Asia in 2012 and was elevated to his current role in 2016. Mr. Bendotti holds a master's degree in international relations, economy, and law from the Graduate Institute of International and Development Studies in Geneva, Switzerland, and an executive MBA from HEC Paris. Thank you both of you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. My pleasure as well. So just to introduce the situation, I'm sure most of our listeners will be aware, but uh, the U.S. women's soccer team won their fourth World Cup victory um, just uh, about 10 days ago. And leading up to that team, uh, leading up to that victory, was a lot of discussion about pay equity. And indeed, when they won, the whole stadium erupted into people Uh, chanting equal pay, equal pay. And for those who are not aware, uh, what they're talking about is that, and it's a little complicated, but essentially the men and the women both make very different amounts of money. Um, Indeed, they compete in different leagues and there's different bonuses and incentives. So it's, it's not as straightforward as the federation, the U.S. Soccer Federation's paying this team less than that team. But you know, directly, as is often the case in employment issues. But there is something happening. Um, They kind of have a history with this. Uh, The women's team back in March 2016 filed a wage discrimination complaint against the the, uh, U.S. Soccer Federation uh, with the EEOC. Uh, They claimed that the men were paid four times as much and that the women generated more revenue than the men's team in 2015. One of the complications is that every year it's different and it has to do with what, you know, um, how far they make it and what, what they compete in. 
but that year they did they did earn more um, for the the federation in April of 2017 the women's team and the USSF ratified a new collective bargaining agreement that's good until 2021 and it did afford some improvements but it hasn't seemed to have solved the problem because in February 2019 the EEOC ruled that they were allowed to follow suit and the women's team did and whereas it was just five players initially all 28 players initiated a proposed class and collective action lawsuit against the USSF. They're alleging discrimination based on sex in violation of the Equal Pay Act and Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Uh, incidentally, they filed it on International Women's Day as part of a, a statement. I did mention the pay is complicated. We don't have to get down to the details, but um, The Guardian did a great job of running down what the men would have been paid if they had made it this far, which, by the way, they never have, and um, what the women will make. Uh, it's a bit of an estimation, but they're saying that each woman will have earned $260,000, and the men would have earned $1,114,000 if they had gotten as far. Clearly, those numbers are not the same, so we're just here to discuss What's going on? What do you guys think about it? And uh, and what do you think about pay equity in, in general? So I guess the first question is, does that sound like equal pay to you? So Charles talking here, I think let's make a very clear statement. It's not equal pay. Uh, you know, I mean, if the U.S. women's soccer team would work for Philip Morris, um, they would be paid exactly the same as the male soccer team. Uh, so I think there is no question about it. There is no equality on on this one, uh, and I think we need to go straight to the point about it and be very clear about what we are talking here. Um, you know, if as you say, if if the women's soccer team generate more revenues than the male soccer team, by default, you know, um, they have to be, be pay more for that. Uh, so even not sure that is about equality of of, of salaries there. Um, it's 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 they should be. be Pay more, as simple as that. And I don't, I don't know why we have an issue talking about it. Uh, if there's more revenue, more, more uh, uh, people, more people watching it, uh, you know, it generates more excitement for the population, for the public in general. Um, we should not talk even about equal pay. We should talking about paying them uh, rightly uh, for what they generate. And and here for me it's it's there's no conversation. It's much more than male. Um, and and let's answer the question why this is not happening um, because that's the issue. Yeah, it's a really good point, um, Tom. Did you have anything to add? Well, I agree. It's uh, it is about equal pay, and it's and this is not equal pay. Uh, I do find it interesting the idea that their part of their argument is based on the revenues generated. Uh, that can obviously be a double-edged sword. Um, you know the one of the at pieces at issue here is that the women are generating far more excitement these days than the men, and so their jerseys are selling faster, and their you know the viewing of the um, of the final was a record for soccer in the United States, and, and that's it's an amazing I think achievement of the women's team, and uh, and I think that this lawsuit really is part of the larger story around um, equal pay and equity in pay. And I, I think it's no mistake that they filed the suit on International Women's Day, because to some degree it is symbolic. As you said, the pay is complicated. And so to unravel all the issues is, is actually quite difficult. Um, however, the symbolism of women getting paid far less than men for doing not only the same work, but in some ways, in, you know, in this particular case, 
doing it in a way that's generating far more um, excitement and interest and brand recognition and potentially even revenue, depending on how it's calculated, is um, I think it's a part of that larger story around inequity in pay for women across the globe and in the United States. Yeah. And I think, you know, what you're referring to there is that the, um, and for our listeners sake, the USSF did release a statement as to why their pay was not the same. And uh, I don't have it written down exactly here, but essentially they were saying it was because of differing revenue streams and, or, and that's really important. Uh, what was it? It was any other reason other than sex. So if you parse that, what they're saying is maybe it's because of different revenue streams and, and they are different and they're, they've been very different year to year. 2015, the women made more. They haven't always. And that's really complicated because it has a lot to do with where each team is in this very long process of getting to the World Cup. Um, but on the other hand, they're saying it's we have a reason, but it's it's not we're not going to tell you what it is. It's any reason other than the one that gets us in trouble. And uh, this is something I think we're all very familiar uh, hearing from large organizations. That second part of that quote is actually straight from the law, where there's mm-hmm. language very similar to that. So they they just go in and say, okay, what does the law say? Oh, okay, that's what that's what we're doing. Um, what advice would you give the women's team going forward? Um, let's start with you, Charles. Well, the, 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 the first one is about this fluctuation in revenues. Uh, you know, uh, it, there's nothing different between a woman's team and a male team. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm French. Uh, so last year, exactly a year ago, uh, the French team won the, the World Cup. I'm not sure they will be able to win the World Cup every single uh, four years. So there will always be a fluctuation in revenues, even for the best team in the world, male team. So I don't understand this argument. I mean, this is, you know, you cannot pay people because one day they bring you money and the day after they don't bring you money. You know, if, if you will apply the same logic to us, so that means one day I will make a million dollars and one day I will be in the street. Uh, and I don't understand this, 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 this argument about the fluctuation of revenues to, to justify the, the, the difference in pay. Uh, because all sport people, uh, they have, they have I mean, not only sport people, I mean, every single employee is in the world. Sometimes you have, you know, better performance, sometimes you have less good performance. But we, we make sure that in the long term, you you pay right. And and, and, and that's, that's the argument I'm, I'm still struggling with, because I think that's the wrong argument. So uh, to answer your, your question, uh, Jim, if I would be... Uh, one of the uh, players from, from, from the uh, women's team, I will ask them, what is the rationale behind that? How do you explain it? Why our situation is different than every single sport people in the world, being male or female? Um, that, that I don't understand the logic. So that will be the first one I will dig and try to understand uh, why they're coming with that, because I don't think they can stand that position for long. That's a that's a really good point. I uh, it's nice to hear that particular uh, issue addressed because I poured through. Prob- I wrote an article about this just the other day. I, I poured through probably twenty five articles trying to understand what's going on, and no one was really adequately addressing that statement. Um, short though it may be from the from the uh, USSF. Uh, Tom, do you have anything to add to that? Well, I'm, I'm not sure I could give good advice um, to the women. You know, they're, I'm sure, well advised. And I, uh, it's a complicated, you know, scenario to be suing essentially your employer. 
Um, but I do, you know, my, my words would just be encouragement. I think that they have a moment here to really raise attention and, uh, awareness of the ways that the, the, um, the way that the league functions. And I think that some, some degree of transparency and visibility into these things would be healthy. I, and again, that does cut both ways. Of course, you know, when you expose things like collective bargaining agreements, which I know the Washington post got a hold of it and the guardian analyzed, um, that right. you know, some of those things are kept private for reasons of negotiation. Um, but the more transparency, I think, then the more likely the outcome will be something that's, um, you know, more fair, at least from the outside. I think that there's a sort of a tendency, you know, I talk about transparency with a lot of people because it's so important. And I think there's a, a tendency in people in general to, when they're met with a challenge, to close down and to not share and I, I think, you know, that really continues in leadership and organizations, and it doesn't matter the size of the organization. People take that with them and then they express it, you know, and then you add to that legal concerns. Everyone's so afraid of getting sued, you know, that you have so many situations, not just this one, where people in power or people that have uh, large organizations just will not do what we all know is right, you know, or will not say the thing we want to hear. You know, you have examples of people just not saying sorry because they're afraid of the liability that that will cause. Um, how do you each individually approach being transparent with those kinds of stakes? Uh, perhaps you could start, Tom. Sure. Well, Transparency is a very important part of our culture in general. Uh, there's a lot about our organization that already is transparent. So, for example, you know our salaries are completely transparent in our firm. Um, everyone knows what everyone else makes. Uh, the mechanisms by which uh, decisions are made around promotion and salary are also all transparent. Um, we publish all of our financial information to our employees. Uh, we're actually a, an employee-owned company, so. Um, it means that there's a financial stake for employees in the company and, and they are very interested in the financial performance. So a lot of information that isn't always shared throughout uh, you know, a company like ours is shared at our company. So when we are faced with a challenge like you just described, Jim, where you know, there's, a, there's maybe you know, someone's unhappy and they're asking questions that are difficult for us to face down, we try to, we try to lean into that transparency um, and be honest and open and share what's really happening behind the scenes and the reasons why decisions were made. Um, obviously that's not always a popular thing. You know, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily solve problems just by sharing why they're, why the problems came to be. Um, but it does, I think, reinforce our culture of being open and trusting each other. Charles, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. I mean, not much. I think Tom say it all. Um, obviously, uh, we're operating in a different environment because we, First, we are a public company, uh, not, I mean, some of, I mean, many of our people are shareholders, but this is, this is a public company and we operate all over the world. So, you know, we have more than 80,000 people, but I think the principle that Tom just uh, explained are exactly what's need to happen, regardless of the size and where you operate in the world. Now, what we do slightly different uh, probably than what Tom is doing in, in this organization is, for us, we, we truly believe in, in full meritocracy. Uh, so more than individual, what's really matter is what is your position, what is your job, and we we look at grade and 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 you know and and remuneration mechanisms linked to that. 
And this is fully transparent. If it would be me completely, I would have no issue to have the salaries of people, you know, even on the front of Philip Morris, because this is a job. And if you get the same job, uh, then you receive the same remuneration, as simple as that. Uh, obviously, in different cultures, different uh, countries, you cannot do that by law. Um, but the principle are, are, are those ones. Uh, without without transparency, um, then you generate an environment where there is no trust, uh, and, and 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 then you create wrong perceptions. So transparency is the only way to go. Now, yes, that may generate some very difficult conversation time to time, uh, but if we don't face those conversations, nothing will never change. So I prefer full transparency and having diffic- difficult conversations and explain the why. Uh, then, then to hide it, to avoid the conversation, because you know that if you do that, the boomerang will come back one day or the other one. So the more transparent you are, the better it is for everybody. What about the USSF? How would you each individually, like what advice would you give them or how would you um, suggest that they go forward? I can. I would only encourage them to do exactly what we did at PMI: go for an equal salary certification. You know, uh, in a very independent manner. I think, you know, we, we have been doing at, at PMI, and I'm very curious to uh, to to learn from 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 Tom and his company what they are doing. But for many many years, we say we are fully transparent, and we promise you we are doing our internal check to make sure that we are paying male and female, uh, not only male and female. I mean, everybody equally, actually. Uh, then you can say it, but but at the end of the day, it's it's done by yourself. Uh, and when you go, that's why we decided to go with the equal uh, salary certification because that's done by an independent third party. In in that mm. case, PwC. And I don't think you can find more, you know, um, objective and independent auditors than PwC. And they go and they do it for you on your behalf. Uh, and 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 they have to protect their own reputation. So it gives trust to the entire organization. This is this is a transparent, to come back to your previous question, and fair process. There's nothing to hide about it. So third-party certification, uh, if it's done by the proper third party, uh, this is the best way uh, you can go. So for for the US Federation, I would encourage them, if they have nothing to hide, if you know, then go for an independent review of what you are doing, of your practices. And it will tell you, as they told us, PRC, sometimes you discover uh, that there is uh, issues that need to be solved. Um, and, and, and the learning we had, more than the certification, is the trust and dialogue that has generated to have a third party. Uh, not, not only because, as I say, of, of, of the quality of, of the certification, but more importantly, people feel comfortable to talk to someone which is not your employers, actually, you know, and, 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 and that's that you, you create a space of, of, of free speech uh, where issues can be, can be, can be raised and, and be solved. It's a safe environment. So that will be my, my, my only advice. It's not only to, to, to the Federation, but to every single organization in the world. Join the movement. You know, if you really want to walk the talk, then it, talking should be, we talk enough. I mean, what people are looking for is about acting, you know, so it's all about acting. I mean, talking is too easy. And I think the world is fed up with people uh, talking. They want to see act and reality. And that's what I will, I will, I will encourage them to do, as simple as that. Thank you, Tom. Do you uh, do you agree? Uh, well, that's it's a hard question. Um, if I were to think about the way that soccer and the USSF and the way it functions, if I were to think about reimagining that, 
um, so as to really guarantee that there was equity, uh, it would be a pretty radical reimagining. I mean, I would wonder what are the core values of the of the soccer federation, what, and what are the core values around soccer being played professionally in the United States, and where does all that money come from, and where does it all go, and is it is it really that all the you know, for instance, in order for it to really function well as like a as a as a value based organization, the men and the women's teams would have to not be pitted against each other. They would have to be working together towards some common goal around fostering the values that animate soccer and why it's important and excellence and teamwork and leadership and all the other things that are on display when great teams play. And that would be a complicated thing to, to reimagine. <laughs> There's so much money at stake. I mean, all that money, you know, you'd have to think about um, the way that the players are compensated and you know, what, what, in what way would that be fair and I think one of the biggest issues, and this is a true, I think, in many sports in, um, you know, environments, because there's so much money at stake and because fairness is such a difficult thing to really nail down, um, if you were to say, let's say every player on both professional teams got paid the same amount, let's say, and let's say that amount was something that everyone decided was some reasonable amount, let's say it was $250,000, something like that. Right. I'm not sure that's reasonable or not. Where does <laughs> all of that extra money go? Does it go into something that they can all agree is important to make the world a better place? Because it certainly shouldn't go into the pockets of the owners. It shouldn't go into the pockets of the advertisers. It should go somewhere that really makes the world, if they're really generating that much revenue, that makes the world a better place, maybe through fostering soccer internationally or soccer and you know or other important things to women's leadership development in the United States. I mean, there's lots of places where that money could go that maybe isn't just... Um, into pockets. That's um, that's a good answer. I, uh, you know, I'm thinking about other sports. Every year we have the the NBA draft and the NFL draft, and it's um, it's not something I get that involved in, but some of my friends do. And you know, part of the reporting is the, these contracts for these individual players. You know, mm-hmm. so. One guy gets a hundred and fifteen million dollars to do five years. Another guy gets twenty million dollars to do six years. You know, like it's just in any American sport that I can think of, equality isn't even a concern. Not mm-hmm. even amongst teammates on the same team. Never mind between between um, specific you know gender based teams. You know, so it seems like this would really require. It seems like this whole thing is going heavily against the grain. <laughs> of sports in general, yeah, and I'm I'm sure that's contributing to this resistance we're seeing. Um, so you know, we talked about a little bit about gender equality. We talked a little bit about you know merit based pay. You know, what, what about like a combo deal where uh, they all get paid the same, and then maybe they can make a little bit more based on how they've done either as a team or individually. I mean, does that sound fair? Um, it, it's a very good question. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure they need to be paid the same. Uh, I, I, you know, I mean, especially in sport. I mean, it's very easy to identify the revenues. So um, I would, I would go for the, for, for the law of the market, as simple as that. I mean, you know, if, if there's higher demand than offers, then, then, then the price will go up. So I, I don't see the, the need of, 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 of paying exactly the same in sport. I, I think we need to pay them based on, on, on the value they, they provide to their, to their, their employers and, and to the public in general. Um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm you know, it's, it's, we should, we shouldn't pay less. Uh, I, I think the common denominator cannot be the lowest one. I think the common denominator has to be the highest one. Um, and, and if women uh, generate more, then they should get more. Um, and there's no reason why we shouldn't pay them at the same as, as male if, if they can generate more on this one. I have no issue with that. No issue at all with that. You know, it's the same as in the company. In the company, not every single um, employee has the same value. I mean, the CEO is paying more than, than others. And, and that's fair because it's not about the CEO as a person. It's about the position. It's about the job. And that's what really matters is what is the job, what is the position, and not what is the incumbent. And I think that's what we need to do is to remove the personality of the person out of the equation and look at the job and, and only talk about the job because that's what really matters. The, the gender with occupying the job is temporary. It, it's not important. It's the job that really matters. And not all the jobs are the same. Great point. Um, Tom, I think you already made your, your feelings clear in your last answer. Um, I think I'm going to... I'm going to end it here, but um, this has really been great. I really appreciate both of you coming. I think we've offered a lot of interesting aspects of this issue for our, our listeners. So thanks so much for coming along. Yes, yeah, a pleasure. Big pleasure, Jim. Thank you. And, and nice meeting you, Tom. Yes, very nice to meet you, Charles. Listeners, we are always interested in suggestions you might have for what HR Works should cover next. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast with any thoughts or concerns you have about the podcast in general, or if you just want to say hi. Thanks for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works.